0: Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with with none none of of my friends. friends.
1: So I missed the practice. There was no Tivo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get back.
0: It's the practice season 8, which means we don't have to
1: shower. Oh, uh, and Keith put on like 25 pounds of muscle.
0: Welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which Mike and I discuss David E. Kelly's award winning series, The Practice. This week we are beginning season eight. Holy moly. So many changes, so many different things, and yet so much is still the same. Behind you in your camera is a black and white cat composing on your piano, and right to my left is a black and white cat. Oh shit, uh, they are literally trying to kill the fish.
1: I'll be right back. (laughs) <laughs> well, you
0: know, it's it, I can actually see in Mike's video here. Oh, I see. So uh, Tuxi, the black and white cat, uh, is using the piano as a way to get to the fish for murdering the fish. Well, uh, meanwhile, Charlie beside me is trying to murder my feet. What a start! What a start! Did
1: you did you save the fish? I I, I think so. I took the lid off to feed him, and then we got into our technical babble. And I left the lid off, and uh, Tuxie went in. <laughs> he was going in. Wow. You know, here I was like, a, it's a cute cat moment, like playing piano,
0: because Charlie does it constantly. But little did I know, I was a life and death situation that I saved a poor defenseless fish.
1: So uh, how's it going, Mike? Season eight. Oh, season eight. Uh, they, uh, what's the old saying, Keith? I think that's been around since the olden days, uh, when the wife's away... The spader will play. Jen, CEO Jen is out seeing uh, her family for the first time in quite a while. Pandemic. Oh, nice. Uh, pandemic uh, be damned. And I'm here by myself. I played some video games till three o'clock in the morning. And now it is time to invite over whom might be my new boyfriend. Oh. A, a, a certain, not you, Keith. Oh. I'm, I'm talking Mr. Spader it's we've talked about it for what feels like ages and now it has is, is come and, and and we've had i've had a few weeks to sit with you mm-hmm. know the fact that all of my friends are gone my my second choice of wife is gone <laughs> uh so you hear that Kelly
0: you were mike's second choice of wife <laughs> so glad you so glad you hopped in here on uh for season 8 just wanted to see what we would how we would uh, address that and you're the second choice wife
1: yeah I feel uh, I'm I'm sad but I'm excited you know you said there's a lot of interesting fun stuff in store so I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my judgment as we always do but uh it's it's gonna be sad but we have to yeah. move forward yeah
0: well when the wife's away the mice podcast about 20 year old TV shows so and actually speaking of mice uh y- you know I I feel like we've done too much of this without the bumper. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We, we failed. failed. It's time to give the world what it wants. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. <laughs> Hot cat content. <laughs> <laughs> this is oddly appropriate as Mike dives off camera to uh, to throw the cat away from the fish once again uh yeah speaking of mice will play uh you know i i got a cat for many different reasons uh primarily to be my best friend forever uh and to be adorable and uh you know just love me but uh as as it turns out but one (laughs) of the normal reasons to have
1: something in this world that loves me
0: yeah i just want to have something that's happy to see me uh, but one of the tertiary reasons would be like hey at least I won't have to worry about uh mice in my basement because you know it's a basement it's you know it's cold mice want to come in you know we got food down here I'm like no I'll never have to worry about mice because I've got a big ferocious cat yeah so uh pretty sure we have mice in the basement and pretty sure Charlie's like friends oh no Charlie He's not. He, he is not
1: fulfilling his duty as a... Uh, is he afraid of them, you ferocious. think, or he's, he's found, uh, like, a, he feels, he feels uh, at I, one with I them? I think he is just a... He's a
0: soft heart, and uh, he's, ter- he's terrifying to moths. Mm-hmm. He will kill and eat a moth like you would not believe. Uh, but thus far, I, you know, I, I don't even know what Charlie feels about the mice. What the mice feel about Charlie is, I'm not worried about you in the slightest. I'm going to mm-hmm. go and uh, do my business, so... Uh, so that's what's happening.
1: Okay, well, not too much to report here, except that uh, Tuxie, who was the cutest little kitten, I think he used to appear. He appeared on the YouTube shows that a couple people watched once in a while. Uh, he has taken to eating all of the food, uh-huh. so he eats all the cat's foods, and so my two cats who went to the vet recently have lost weight, and Tux looks like. Well, I don't want to fat shame a cat, Keith, but he, oh no. He's getting enormous real fast. He's not even a year yet, and he's getting real enormous. He's going to be a big, fat cat. So he he has very quickly gone from Carreras
0: to Pavarotti?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> In his tux. Uh-huh. I told you the joke. It was instead of the three tenors, you might as well call them the three tonners. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, that's... I mean, but that's... But really, only, only one of them was
0: ample-bodied, uh... The, uh, a- another one was uh, apparently a sexual predator. Uh, yes. But the third one was was poor Jose Carreras, underrated Jose Carreras. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't know if We how really we have devolved. Yeah. Here we are. We're on the three tetters already. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, before we hop into filings and subpoenas and all that kind of stuff, uh, I promised I'd give a little bit more information on what went down this summer between seasons um and you can search uh online there is an article from 2003 in variety which gives some more details about all that went down um that caused all the cast turnover and so forth uh so this was actually on May 19th so this all came out just a couple of weeks after the season finale that they uh were going to be moving on from most of the cast um and mainly because, uh, ABC said like, you can come back, but we're going to give you a much lower licensing fee. So, uh, basically half of what he was making before, so that he's, so they only get 6.5 million, uh, per segment. And I believe that includes the budget for production of the show as well as, um, basically just licensings before residuals. So the first run of the show So they had a much smaller half of what they were going to get before. So the production company is like, "Well, we're going to have to uh, do a big old turnover. Um, but apparently this happened so late breaking that, uh, obviously they produced the end of the show without knowing if they were going to be renewed or not. But between the end of the series and this decision, they actually had the practice cast out for, um, the upfronts, um, the previous which cast. Which is where the, the previous cast out at the ABC upfronts, um, which is where they sort of sell their shows to the affiliates and and the um and for the advertisers, and they had they walked out, here's the pra-, you know, the, the cast of the practice, and then like fired them like a week later. Wow. Uh kind of crazy. Um, but there was a lot of speculation about who they were going to bring in, because at this point they hadn't hired anybody. Um, and so there was actually some rumors they were going to bring in Callista Flockhart and bring Ally McBeal onto the show, um, which would be uh, would certainly be. Interesting. That was speculation of the guy writing this article, but um, certainly interesting. Uh, and it looks like we also got from this article that uh, that Dylan was making 300 grand an episode by this point in the run. So, boy, he was doing all right. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so those you think are. Think our boy sort of, Ray
1: was making that.
0: Uh, I, 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 I certainly hope so. I, I'm <laughs> unsure. I will not speak to that. Um, but yeah, so lots of, uh, lots of behind the scenes stuff going on there. Uh, so that's what was happening behind there. So there's obviously going to be some new faces. We're gonna find out a little bit later. But first. We're going to hear from you in a segment we call. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings
1: and subpoenas. Filings and, Filings and Okay. Well, I mean, you know. I mean, like, how are they going to do it narratively, Keith? I mean, Bobby's the only one who is leaving. Maybe, maybe Lindsay, but like, how are they going to explain to us where everybody went? It's a very good question. Lucy full-time. Lucy became a full-time counselor. Let's hope.
0: Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna find out uh, soon enough. That's a good tease, but we're not we're not doing that yet. I know, I know, I know. We are. We're gonna. We're doing filings and subpoenas, of which we have a ton. So okay, let's uh, do it. Let's get to it. So here we are for uh, season seven, episode twenty-two. Goodbye. Uh, of course, we heard from Phoenix a few times. He said, "I never suggested or." even commented on one of these because I didn't want to encourage it. But certainly the last Tom Brady award for being Tom Brady should have been him walking into the sunset with a spare tire under his arm. Uh-oh, we might have to have another Tom Brady award. I, it was whole... pretty close. I mean, it was the idea was the same. It was close. It was close. Uh, he also says, Don't worry, Mike. If Keith ever starts another practice podcast without you, you'll still get me in the custody battle. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Scott Maupin hops in and uh, gives a time code to Mike's reaction to the series. Rap announcements are so great. (laughs) No, what are we doing? That's true. (laughs) I I went back and watched that because
1: your reactions were everything I wanted them to be. That's how I was feeling. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't mean to make this as dramatic as it's about to sound, but, you know, the... uh, these characters, a lot of them you know when we started this podcast Keith, we did not know it was a it was a it was a fancy free time for us uh, We did not know that the world was about to enter a global pandemic mm-hmm. and the the routine of this podcast, which has you know which was about kind of falling in love with these characters it was a love-hate relationship at times but regardless, the, the, to see them go they got me through a tough time and then to see them sort of unceremoniously just be kind of out of my life not that i can't you know like watch the show elsewhere like just go back and visit but you know what i'm saying like it what it was uh it was a dagger to the heart and you know the worst day of my life let's not to be dramatic i don't be i don't want to be hyperbolic but it's <laughs> not the worst thing hyperbolic. that ever happened to me it is by far <laughs> the worst thing that's ever happened to him i can't wait for
0: uh In 25 years, we're going to do this day in the basement about... We're going to do a podcast about this podcast. And on this day in the basement for uh, February 2022 was the worst day of Mike's life when he found out 20 years ago, some fictional characters were written off of a show. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, One last comment here on this. Uh, Phoenix says, on the subject of changes... Since this podcast started, all three of us have turned 40 and moved to another state. That's true. Looking back, I realized that the life-changing experience and epiphany that inspired the move happened only five weeks after I first started watching the practice. Interesting. Uh, Well, I mean, it's
1: certainly, hey, look, the the practice really softened in his old age, too. I mean, between Phoenix and Keith, I've just like I've turned these two guys into like just these soft nougaty centers. <laughs> is that is that what happened? <laughs> I'll never, don't ever let me say soft nougaty again. <laughs> no,
0: that was that was unfortunate, unfortunate. Uh, so, and and lastly, uh, Scott weighs in again. Uh, Mike will watch seven seasons so far of the practice, but not a single Fast and Furious movie. This seems like a mistake. Just try one, Mike. Start with five. It's okay to start in the middle and just try to tell me it's not a rip-roaring good time. Uh, And then uh, Scott continues with a suggestion on orders to watch the movies. If you would like to find out the order of Fast and Furious movies that Scott would have you watch, you can check it out on the YouTubes at uh, at our Season 7 Oopsie Spectacular. Mike, if... Folks would like to contact us in other ways. How would they do that now that we don't have the
1: screen up in front of us to give us the uh our teleprompter? Don't need it, Keith. Didn't help anyway. <laughs> out of practice podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think of the changes. Ch 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 changes. Or you could check out the uh Instagram post that Keith does once every month and a half. At shut up. Out of practice podcast. <laughs>
0: And We're also on Facebook, and Out of Practice podcast. Oh, yeah. Does, you know, is that
1: a thing? I don't go on Facebook
0: anymore. It's automatically tagged to the Instagram, oh, okay, so it's cool. basically just the same thing. So, uh, all right. Well, let us
1: move forward. Oh, we have another show. Pe- Check us out. Uh, Star Trek Toys. Uh, that's blowing up a little bit. Well, by blowing up, <laughs> I mean a few people watch it, and we talk about toys, so... <laughs>
2: I don't know. Maybe don't watch it. I don't know.
1: By blowing up, you know, you know how like in a in in a Michael
0: Bay movie, like, you know, somebody like steps on a cracker and there's an explosion that glow you know, that that wipes out half of a state. This is more like mild gas. We're in in comparison. But uh, fair enough. Let us move forward to everyone. Honey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm
1: just watching uh, my podcast of these two old guys that play with toys, and not even Mm -hmm. that, they just talk about it.
0: That's true. They don't. They don't play with them. But they have they just, three cameras. They have so many cameras to show their old toys. Yay! All right.
1: Well, look. Keep Can I, I keep give you? Keep trying a, can to I, move can us forward. You, can I give you? Jesus Christ. Some, some life. Some life coaching. Mm. Or just like a, a recommendation. Yeah. What's that? Uh, don't ever stop, and give yourself enough time to really look at the big picture. <laughs> Wow, what, what's what's going on in Mike's head today? Because if you do that, I promise you, you might be disappointed. You should just keep moving forward and don't really analyze any of the things that we're doing. You don't wow. know. I have to tell you, I keep laughing because we're not on camera today. So, Keith, I want to show you this. Oh, Oh, believe
0: me, we saw your leopard print skinny jean <laughs> leggings when you went to go rescue the cat. The, the, okay. That was upsetting.
1: <laughs> Did you comment? Why are they so tight? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Back when I was in this uh, thing called Sh- the Schmerzy Boys, there was a segment where we had to put on our Jersey Club threads, which was which meant just get the ugliest pair of stuff you had. I don't know what the gag was, but it was a sight gag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, we start. I started that some years ago, and these have been washed many times since, and so they have just kept shrinking. It's, and uh, they—they're ball it's, huggers it's, now.
0: It's not—it's not—not a, a good look. I'm—I'm I'm really really happy that your camera is—is is out of focus today.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, but if you expected wow. the show to improve now that we have, it's not as complicated to produce. You, you were wrong.
0: No, when the uh, when the wife's away, Mike's existential dread. And two tight pants sort of break Mike's brain. <laughs> this is not good. Don't we have more look emails? at the are big Are there picture. more emails, Keith? No, no. We are moving. I've been trying to move forward for about 20 minutes. <laughs> I think Mike's just lonely. He's like, let me see if I can
1: filibuster Keith's day with this podcast. Keith, the Nielsen ratings mm-hmm. sent me $2. They did. They did. How is I don't this know. a setup to a to a bad joke? It's w- not. What's I got an e- I got a letter that said, "Dear current resident, uh, thanks so much for your opinion. Here are two dollars, and we will send you another five dollars in cash if I fill out this Nielsen ratings survey." Wow! Can they just? Send Do you have, me have a cash? Nielsen box? No, I don't think I didn't think I did. Wait,
0: wait! They mailed you actual physical
1: cash? Dude, yeah, and they'll say there's five more where that came from.
0: Uh, I I don't think that that's the Nielsen rating. I think it, you. It says it says it
2: says
0: you are Nielsen. You're, t- you're old, but you're not so old to fall into this scale. I'm sending you a no. I'm sending you this.
1: Oh, the cat just fell off the desk.
0: What, what is what happening?
1: What's happening?
0: Okay, go ahead. Why keep, can't continue? I get to this day in the basement? Why go, the, go? Is there some sort of are you being held hostage? Is there something? <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you
0: get to this day in the basement, the cat dies.
1: <laughs> it's like the worst speed sequel. <laughs> oh God! If the show doesn't wow. maintain a slow, lugubrious pace, this bus oh, will explode.
0: I think <laughs> the bus exploded already. Oh, can 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 I just give the date that this show aired? It was September 28th, 2003. I saw you trying to decide how to interrupt me. <laughs> All right. September 28th, the year 2003. And, uh, those of you who have a, a calendar in your head, you're like, Hey, wait a minute. We're back on Sundays. And you're right. Uh, it was a, uh, one of the things that hurt the show last season was the show's move to Monday nights. And so happily we're back on Sunday nights. So, um. Uh, Congratulations, fall of 2003. Now it is time, Michael, to talk
1: about what was going on
2: this day in
1: the basement. I alluded to it on the Oopsie Spectacular. <clears throat> I had launched my first professional show at the Mount Gretna Playhouse, and then that closed in July or early August, and then I spent uh, the next few weeks with my family in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, and then I... <clears throat> uprooted myself again and moved out to Rochester, New York for what we thought was going to be one month run of Forever Plaid would end up being almost a year and it was Rochester was nice um, we got there in the fall and the fall became winter so it was uh, you know the Rochester in the winter sucks pretty hard it, uh, it's well, it's pretty snowy I'll say that yeah. anyway I'll just say that it was uh, really a microcosm of an entire career in musical theater, especially in the non-equity musical theater When you, where you start out, where you, where you used to start out. It's a little different now. But <clears throat> it had all of the highs of what people who are not in the theater don't understand about the theater, where you kind of make really close, great friends, potentially lifelong friends in a very, very short amount of time just because of the nature of of the work you're doing. And just getting to do the thing that you set out to do especially in the beginning of your career is a really magical feeling that you don't, mm-hmm. you cannot and do not appreciate at the time because you're just thinking of the next great thing you're gonna do and what the stepping stone it might be and you really didn't smell the roses. <clears throat> plus because I was still semi-college aged I was in my earlier 20s I got to sort of live we were living there so I got to live with some of these great these dudes who became great friends of mine and we got to you know kind of party we only worked for a couple hours a night and we got to hang out and meet a lot of people and do you didn't have you got to escape the humdrum of a nine to five and you got to just be doing it it was all yeah. of that awesome stuff. However, all the other things. We were making a good amount of money for a 20-some year old kid in the theater uh, at Mount Gretna, but then when we went over to Rochester, they changed the whole pay structure and we were getting paid dick. I had to get a second yep. job at uh, the Philharmonic, and the guy we worked for at this theater, who I will not put on blast on the internet, even though I should, was a complete monster. The way he treated his staff and his wife and people who worked there were, it was just terrible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the house had like speaking of mice, there was mice everywhere. The house we stayed at was kind of a hole. Uh, I would never do that today. However, it isn't today. It was then, and some of my friends got to come up and visit, and it just it was amazing. And it was forever plaid, which is such a huge part of my life now. Well, I will always remember that time fondly. And so uh, that's what I was doing here in September. I was was hunkering in for the long haul. Yeah
0: yeah well, I, you know it's apropos of nothing. I was uh, sitting in our the what is sort of a little bonus room in the house, which is half a library and half the cat bathroom. Uh, but uh, in it we, we've put the the cat's food because uh, we're, we, we have some we have some doggos who are auditioning to be here, and the cat needs to be, he's like a little nervous to eat the food or whatever, to put it up on a bookshelf, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I'm sitting there with the cat, so he eats, and he has like time and feels comfortable, and uh, just killing time, I pull a folder off of the bookshelf, and it is our Titanic score, and all of the information there, and I went back to the old cast list, and the cast contact list, and there, Mike and Deglio was listed as living in Rochester, New York. Wow, which is uh, so crazy. We'll get into that for sure this season. Um, when do we audition it was,
1: for that? Well, well, we'll get there when we get there. I, I
0: think it was. I mean, it's it probably November, December, because we show started. Uh, the actual run started in January, I think. Hmm whatever uh and i can't wait to show the contract and the princely sum i was paid we were both paid i think you were paid better than i was for yeah, that Yeah, and you had uh... lines. Yeah, i was a part. Yeah, but i also had no agent and no concept of anything. Ugh, what a mess. Anyway, so i have a whole bunch of like quick hits for my this day in the basement. Um because I went through a whole summer's worth of email. Some interesting stuff. Uh, first <laughs> off, I have a whole bunch of stuff that I auditioned for. And uh, let me tell you how it went. I auditioned for the European tour of West Side Story. Which my wife no. did. Did she? W- was in the 2003?
1: I believe or so. Or was it a different one? I believe it was I that think...
0: one. Oh, I wonder if it's the same one uh, that another buddy of mine was on. Um, there's a couple of them that went out there, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, didn't get it. Uh, I also auditioned for the Lay Miz tour. Uh, didn't get it. I also auditioned for the Full Monty tour. I didn't get it. So, uh, those are all things that I did there. Um, you'll like this. It seems like I had a date this week. Oh, that this isn't for the whole for the summer this is just for that week um i also seemed like i had a date uh but i have because i have emails setting it up uh but i have no memory of the lady nor the date i think we were gonna supposed to go see eddie Izzard, but then didn't Hmm. i don't yeah i mean it seemed like seemed cool but i don't i have no we obviously didn't do it because i've only seen eddie uh in a play so i never saw her tour um Anyway, uh, so I don't... I don't think we ever did, so uh, there it is. I don't know what happened with that. I feel like it was more memorable for her.
1: I'm not even sure we actually ever did it. Uh, I just love that. (laughs) The eight-year-old me loves that you keep saying, we never did it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we definitely never did it, did it. (laughs) I mean, let's just
0: say, like, Keith... Keith wasn't quite the player. Keith was never the player. uh, Our
1: audience is is shocking shock all. They
0: all just fell out of their chair. It drove off the side of the road. Shocked. <laughs> uh, but I do have something interesting that happened this week. Uh related to David E. Kelly and the show cuz I mentioned uh last week that uh my father had recorded some sound effects for the new David E. Kelly show, The Brotherhood of Poland, and it started it premiered that night. And uh apparently Uh, the sound editor said that some of the sounds that my father recorded were included on the premiere of the show. So uh, I can't believe I had no memory of that whatsoever. Uh, But uh, thank you, old emails. So, uh, folks, that is what we were doing in the basement. Now
3: it is time to zoom out and talk about... It's time for the out-of-practice podcasts, This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay,
0: once again, we're talking about September 28th, the year 2003. And what are we listening to? We're listening to Shake Your Tail Feather. Feather. With uh, Nelly, P.
1: Diddy, and Murphy Lee. I'd like to thank Josh Van Egan, 23 subscribers strong on YouTube. Check him out. They do all the top 40 dance hip-hop covers out in the Midwest. That sounds pretty good.
0: And uh, you should definitely have more subscribers than that. The uh, local paper, the Burlington Free Press, was, uh, (laughs) this is appropriate today as we are, uh, I I expect by next episode, uh, we will be uh, in some version of World War III. The uh, paperback in September 28th was Bush-Putin disagree on Iran nuclear project. So, uh,
1: uh, glad we solved that. the more things change, the Ukraine they... Wait, the more they stay Ukraine. (laughs) That's not bad, right? The more things change, the more they stay Ukraine. Well, folks, it might not be great, but he's putting in the effort. <laughs>
0: they they laughed. <laughs> the top movie was The Rundown. Option A
4: or Option B? Option A is you and I walk out of here nice and easy. It's Option
5: B. Yeah,
0: that's The Rock. And Christopher option A Walk-up. doesn't work for me. Mr. Beck. Oh! There it is. I don't remember that movie whatsoever. Nope. Uh, the trailer
1: did not help jog my memory.
0: No, <laughs> no. But, you know, it was the top movie if it were 2003. You want to know what else was going on on September
6: twentieth, two 2003? It's time. It's time. time, time. It's time for oh, it's sports. still happening. Sports.
0: The Eagles beat the Bills 23-13 to for their first win of the season. Brian Westbrook sealed the game with a 62-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Pushed out Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe. Pushed out by Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe started for the Bills. In a quirk of the schedule, the Giants had a bye week in Week Four, but sat at two and one with a win over the Rams and the Washington racist names. It's gonna be a great season. We're two and one, right? Are you sure? Yeah. Stay tuned. <clears throat> All right, folks.
4: I'm a human being. God, God damn, it. damn it! My life has value, and
2: I'm, I'm
0: not, not gonna, gonna take, take this, this, anymore. this anymore. It's time... Uh, this episode, entitled We the People, I don't think I've said that before, uh, was written, of course, by David E. Kelly, and directed by Dennis Smith, who last directed the legendary Less is More, which leaves us with only one important thing to do. It's season eight. Uh, spoiler alert, most of our cast is gone. No, really, truly...
7: supposed to be what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis what
8: what what, what does mike think's gonna happen <laughs> you know what if he would have drank the curdled milk then what would have happened
1: <laughs> well jimmy he wouldn't have to share it with anybody that's for sure uh in a in a way that only david e kelly can troll himself Jimmy is coming to the office and he's bringing donuts for everybody because he can't wait (laughs) to start the week and he gets there and there's nobody there. It's just Eleanor and Eugene and he says, where is everybody? And he goes, and they don't know. Uh, No. That would be hilarious. Oh oh my God, wouldn't that be great? I would imagine... uh, Here's what they're going to do. I think they're going to try to like sum up retcon what happened to everybody in a very short scene. Um, and then the chunk of the beginning of the episode is going to be them interviewing new partners, or I guess lawyers. So I think this episode is going to really focus on a returning cast. So that's Jimmy, Eugene, and Eleanor interviewing people to fill the slots of whatever uh, whatever has happened. And then uh, we're mm-hmm. going to get... Here's the thing, I love, I love Spader. He he's almost at this juncture with the blacklist and everything. He's almost Shatnerian in his sort of. He's become a caricature of himself. That's true. That's true. So uh, I would expect, but he still had, but Rubbed he off. had, yeah, he had the sort of at this juncture. He should. He had the like sort of charisma of youth. So uh, I think we're gonna. I think he's going to. My prediction, Keith, is that his inaugural appearance this week, where he's sort of interviewing for his gig, is going to be a tour de force, and it's going to make us be like, okay, I I predict that by the end of the episode, in the oopsies, even heart-hardened Mike Indeglio, who's been depressed for weeks, is going to say, you know what, Keith? I think this Spader guy, I think this could work. Okay. All right. Well, I, I
0: appreciate your optimism. We have optimistic Mike. Mm-hmm. there it is that's a that's a new one well uh all right well if you would like to listen to us listen to the episode stay right where you are because we're not on the youtubes anymore
1: so uh just keep doing what you're doing season eight episode one we the people
7: we need emma at the trial
1: i
3: can't allow that brad she's 10 years old
7: i understand that i said no
1: she's a child all right so listen to me let's do this so i was wrong right away (laughs) is that a
0: prominent sidekick from the 90s so uh i apologize in advance here on this episode uh I'm going to have to do so many introductions. You, your mind is going to be blown by the end of this episode. Uh, so let us begin at the beginning. Uh, Eleanor is here talking to Chris O'Donnell from, of course, Batman and Robin. A scent of a woman, the three musketeers. And uh, just I want you to just calculate the residuals in your head for this, Michael. Okay. Two hundred and eighty nine episodes of NCIS LA.
8: Wow! <laughs> what just
1: happened over there? <laughs> that I was doing like the sound effect, you know, when like uh, they used to like you know the the I guess, that's not NCIS, is it? <laughs> no. No. What show was that? With what's his bucket? You know what I mean. I, I I love that I know
0: what you're referring to. <laughs> Because it is utterly impossible to know what you're talking about. No but way! But you're thinking about CSI Miami. But the noise that you made was like a sexy cat noise.
1: <laughs> not... Hold on. Can, can I pull it
0: up somewhere on YouTube? And what, what would I type in to Google the sound? Because... CSI Miami opening. Because, like... I thought that was pretty thinking, good. You thought that was a rock scream? You're like... <laughs> no? No? Let's see. I can't wait. Let's hear it, Mike. Drive-by
9: Drive by Miami style. <laughs> aren't they? So the question oh, between wow! Alex, was the mob
10: sent yes. to draw us to the crime scene? Or sent to destroy it? Uh-oh,
1: <laughs> they're not giving me the yeah. full jam. But we get the point. Yeah, well, they're just
0: doing the stupid cut-ins. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I I knew what you meant. Uh, but no, uh, it, it was it's a different show, actually. Uh, but it is also a CBS long-running procedural. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's okay. Maybe it wasn't great.
0: <laughs> I can't. I, you know, we're gonna have to pull that out and and play them together. I think,
2: that's I what think you my said. key was
1: wasn't too bad. Well, folks, wow. I guess that's the sound effect for this episode. Yeah, welcome to the show, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's, there's just going to be a lot of this. Bear with me. Uh, if you want the full narrative, uh, watch it on the Hulu. Yeah. But let us continue.
7: You have serious monster issues here. To the world and to the potential jury pool, you are the man who murdered his pregnant wife and unborn son. The best way to humanize you is to let the jury see you as a father and not a killer. And the best way to accomplish that is to have your daughter by your side, at your side. And what
3: will that do to her? To have to sit there and listen while her father is demonized before She's the...
7: already hearing that everywhere she turns. I think the real question is, what will it do to her to see you go to prison? Which is exactly what we're looking at.
1: Keith, you know you can click on a high-quality preview and see it with, in full resolution. You need to get me out on bail, Eleanor. Oh, I'd like to.
3: Brad, you are up on double homicide. I hardly think— You need to think of a way. I need to address a potential jury pool. For that, I need to have a news conference. It's right under Do death that. and Guest. I gotta get out of here. The judge
7: oh. is never going— Eleanor,
3: I need you to start demonstrating the zeal that comes with defending an innocent man. Homicide suspects are sometimes afforded bail. I need you to accomplish that courtesy for me. Now. Okay,
0: there it is. We don't know. We don't know what's uh, we don't know what's happening.
1: Oh, new credits. But new credits. Yeah. Michael Botuco. Let's see. Same theme song.
0: Same theme song.
1: Eugene Young. All right. Ooh. Jessica, Jessica Capshaw's Cap still on the show. Good Jamie's for you, still Jess. there. Rona Mitra. Yeah, we have James Bader. New... Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Things are happening.
1: Pop, 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 pop,
0: pop, 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 pop. Well, it is Jimmy going into the office, but it's not him before we talk that that okay the judge that Jimmy here is about to talk to is Kenneth Welsh who has 239 IMDB credits which is amazing working back to 1964 You'd know him as Fake Dick Cheney in The Day After Tomorrow, Miracle, The Fog, Twin Peaks, Fantastic Four, Time
1: Cop, and has six Broadway shows to his credit. Keith, there's a spoiler here in the guest starring. I'm not going to say it, but uh,
0: wow. Oh, yeah. ah uh, Sucks. You,
6: sucks you saw that. Thank you for coming in. I'm informed you still plan to argue self-defense actually defense of others but same principle you will not be arguing self-defense or defense of others mr young there's no factual basis for it and it won't be asserted
5: well we have to be allowed to put on a defense well you won't be allowed to put on that
6: one let's watch it together shall we oh
0: yeah
6: we've all seen the tape you'll see it again with me
0: remember in the pilot eugene's showing the vhs tape
6: here comes your client
1: Oh yeah, that's they got a great shot of it. Yeah. Oh, well, that extra uh, ca- he was like, I get one death and I'm gonna make a camera.
6: If you so much, and the as camera like zoomed in on a security camera. It's pretty impressive. Others, I will hold you in contempt of court. Are we clear, gentlemen?
1: This just in, Judge ain't fucking around.
6: Then we'd
5: like to change our plea, Your Honor. To insanity. And what's your basis for that? You saw the tape? She's crazy.
0: Yeah, Eugene. Yeah, Eugene takes no shit.
1: You saw the tape. She's crazy. Insanity.
11: Sorry, gentlemen. I need that motion
1: eliminated.
11: Uh, please hold. I went through the list of the Two are willing to testify, but they want their full retain.
0: Oh god, it's muted. Welcome to the show. The new character of Tara. Played by Rona Mitra, who you would know from The Last Ship, The Gates, Gideon's Crossing. Interesting, we crossed over on a show she was on. Stuck on You, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans. And, spoiler alert for the future, we'll continue on to Boston Legal.
1: Uh, but let's not care anybody, no one saw Underworld, Rise of the Lycans. <laughs> I saw Under the World, Underworld Lies of the Lichens was awesome. Okay, I love the Underworld series. Keith, some would say you didn't love it; you just likened it.
0: Yeah! Oh God, this be all day long with this. Oh, Yo,
1: you're goddamn right. <laughs> you're goddamn right.
11: <laughs> uh. And you have another problem. Markham got called. For when? For now, Judge Dickham. Did you tell? Me? I did. He went not budge.
5: So, Jamie, can you do the pre? She's already working I mean? in the office. Oh, yes. If we don't I find a shrink, like, we so might as well. We will. Keep looking. Issues. Come on, let's go see the client.
0: Call you, I need to speak to him personally. Eleanor. Guess who just walked in? Ladies and gentlemen, it's James Spader. Better late he than. He is, of course has three Emmy Awards, including another nomination, you know him from Blacklist, The Avengers, Age of Ultron, he's freaking Ultron, Sex, Lies, and Videotapes, The Office, Lincoln, Secretary, and one of my personal favorites, the original Stargate. Mike, how do you know Mr. James Spader?
1: Uh, many ways, the Blacklist. I've done many an extra spot on that, and uh, also, uh, you might recall, my mom and grandfather loved Boston Legal. Watched it oh, all yes, the time. Well,
0: so <laughs> I can. Po- I'll point out he's also. He also. Uh, sh- spoiler alert. Continues
1: on to Boston Legal. Uh, but Keith, I am a little nervous because. Yeah. His first line is something, Eleanor, and I hate when people say Eleanor. Eleanor, not
0: Ellen. Yes, yeah. Steal yourself.
10: Hey,
1: what's up?
0: Do you
10: have a second? Actually, I don't. Something came up at Carruthers.
1: Man, this handheld cam is now very looking shaky. for new employment.
10: And since my heart has always yearned to do whatever this is,
7: what exactly came up at <laughs> Carruthers, Alan? I embezzled. Oh, Allegedly. Jimmy. welcome. Can I have
10: some coffee, please, with cream? Thank you. I'd be such a natural here.
7: Wait a second. You expect me to recommend you for employment after you stole? The important thing
10: is... I feel... icky. Alan... I'm the leading antitrust lawyer in the state. I'm going through an enormous character growth. Just the same. And I need a break.
7: I'll tell you what. You do a case for us today, see how you like it.
10: Today, Misdemeanor
7: battery, homeless person, kiss somebody.
10: You certainly don't expect me to walk in and try a case on the fly.
7: If there's any problem, I will be on vibrate.
10: Ellie, Ellie. No <sighs> Ellie? I have issues with Keith, homeless people. Keith, are they people.
1: hashtag old friends? What issues?
10: They don't they like might me. Be. I think it must be cultural.
1: Look, I
7: am late for emotion. You tried the case, Are we not going to discuss we'll
0: what the fuck happened? We've jumped forward in okay. time.
12: Isn't it up to a jury? I don't hey! get a jury. Uh, you, do, you know, but I would normally
0: you play, you know, who's that? But come on, uh, folks. It's <laughs> Viola Davis! I mean, come on. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Welcome to season eight. We have Viola Davis with four Oscar nominations, including a win. You know her from Fences, The Help, Suicide Squad, How to Get Away with Murder, City of Angels, Solaris, and Doubt. She uh, she was robbed. She should have gotten an Oscar for Doubt. Hello. She uh, has five Emmy nominations. She has a win. She has two Tony Awards and three Drama Desk Awards. Uh, we just had, uh, casually Viola Davis just wander on to the screen. So you get fancy music.
5: The judge can cut off a defense if he feels it's not supported.
12: What do I do? I'm dead. My cat is absolutely insane today.
5: Our only choice now is insanity.
12: I wasn't insane.
5: Understood. But it's the only mechanism we have left to secure an acquittal.
12: Shooting that man... Was maybe the most clear headed thing I ever did in my life.
1: Well, don't say that now. Not anymore. anymore.
12: Wait. You're
11: his lawyer?
10: Is there a problem?
11: You're Alan Shore.
10: This what are you doing at a criminal Leslie bench Farrah. trial? Looking to meet women. I perused the file and I think we can both agree it's beneath us, so why don't we dispose of it? Go get a drink.
11: The victim
1: file oh, so well, My boss he, won't He's going to be all sexually plane. harassing now.
10: Oh,
11: okay,
1: great. No, That's got his got defining a t- characteristic. He's he's got a he's got a he's got the one liner. He's got a bit of Bobby. Take a dash of Bobby, a sousent of his character from Blacklist. Mix them together with a little rapiness, and you've got my guess. Dave Spader. Yeah, Alan Shore. <laughs>
10: <laughs> it's not like anybody got hurt, Cindy. May I call you Cindy?
11: My name's Kate. Kate. Mm. (laughs) 60 days.
1: Is this the way it's going to be? Hell yeah, that was funny. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Keep that coming. It's not
10: like anybody got hurt, Cindy. May I call you Cindy?
1: My name's Kate. (laughs) Mm.
11: 60 days.
10: Ah. Is this the way it's going to be?
11: Hey, if you can get the victim to withdraw, the drink's on me. Otherwise... Take the offer to your client, who's uh, right over there.
1: I might have oversold how funny that was, him. but I, I, I got a good juggle out of it. It worked. It worked. I hope a guy who's...
10: Mr. Markham, I'm Alan Shore, your attorney. What happened to Miss Friend?
1: She's tied up. A homeless guy! guy who's wondering why Shuler Hensley got his career? Deep cut, deep cut.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, interestingly, they've had similar careers because it's Jeff Perry as the homeless guy who you would know from Scandal, My So-Called Life, Wild Things, Nash Bridges, Grey's Anatomy, and he was a founding member and the uh, artistic director of the Steppenwolf Theatre Company. Uh, and so we all saw him in August Osage County on the Broadway. Terrific actor. What a great play.
10: Things sexual, I assure you, I'll be taking over the case. So, how are we today, sir? I, I just Hallie buried her. That's all I did.
1: I just I beg your Hallie pardon? buried Look her? Look at the Oscars.
4: The guy just planted one on her. Because when else would he get a chance? That's all I did.
8: I see.
0: Yeah, so
6: you know, you it, was, it, was it was back when we're house. like, "Hey, consent? What's said. that? It's Especially hilarious." Aisha. She he kissed Telly Barry to against the will. Hilarious. Now, sir, uh, calling attention to the afternoon of July
1: third. And that Could guy. And Norman Lloyd back as Asher Silverman from season one. So clearly, they just took the budget that they recouped in firing everyone and decided to blow out the uh, supporting cast this week. The guest stars, holy yeah. shit, yes.
9: Tell us what you saw. But they still didn't take out all yeah. of these
1: fans from the L.A.
9: Well, sets. there were a bunch of us no. kind of sprucing up the street because we were planning a July this 4th block This witness is party. Brent Jennings. And then there we saw him. And sure, who? Marcus Thayer, crack dealer. Selling his stuff on his steps like he did every damn day. He had some clients there. And what happened? Laisha, she went right up to him, and she started telling him this and that. Get your ass off the Black street. And white he got in her face like he always does, and they're yelling back and forth at each other. And then she just walked off. So
1: keep this is, As she left, well, was very
9: specific. But then I got into it with
1: Black it. and White and tells he us that it's their, like rec- their recollection of events.
9: And I told him, he better not be out there pushing his crack during our block party. And we talked a little bit more trash. What that trash. shows us is that and as I started off, they had a I looked scene up, and here she comes Viola again.
0: Viola Davis. And now they're going to cut the audio
9: for and, and have somebody nearing. But the truth be told, I couldn't hear it. My eyes were on that gun. She walked right up to him. She aims. And she shoots him three times. Shot him dead right there in the street.
1: Three times through the grinder.
6: Because <laughs> we didn't want to see that scene with Mr. Viola Caines. Davis. No. Could you describe for us Miss Crenshaw's demeanor as she fired the
9: gun? She looked fed up. Thank you.
8: All right, Jimmy. You said this Mr. Thayer sold crack every day.
9: Why he didn't you every damn just day. call the police? We called them all the time. They never did anything. Nothing. Oh, they drive by now and then they put up the observation post with the little cameras. That's how they got that tape, but they never did do nothing. To get them to come into our neighborhood, a gun has to go off.
1: God damn it. Oh Ugh. no, what happened?
9: The cat. All right, he's gotta go. The
1: cat <laughs> Keith, talk oh amongst yourselves.
0: You know, there's been a lot of catography in uh in both of our weeks. Um I, I I told Mike I didn't tell you, uh, dear listener and friend, uh, that uh, this week Charlie knocked over an entire end table with a uh, huge plate of Chinese food and uh, and Chinese uh, sauces and an entire drink that I just put down and dumped it straight on the carpet here in the basement. So uh, if it uh, if my basement smells like booze and Chinese food,
1: nothing changed. <laughs> He's the, it's so, he's very, he just wants to play and he's sitting with me on the table. It's very cute. And I love him so much, but he just wants to touch everything and knock everything off the desk as cats are wont to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, anyway, can I call you Cindy?
9: Just to go off. That sounds like an exaggeration. An mm-hmm. exaggeration. There's an ice cream truck. Drives down our street, makes all the kids come running. They sell popsicles, fudge sickles, and cocaine. The ice cream truck. <laughs> there are children on our street, 10 years old, not the only really using, fast and but having dealing. a lot of ideas. Mr. Beludi, please step up.
1: By the way, it's 60 degrees outside here.
6: What is the relevance of this testimony, sure is, Mr. Beludi? It goes to
8: defendants' intent. Just trying to get a clear picture, Judge.
6: Do you enjoy practicing law, Counsel?
8: You know, Judge, you rebuking me in front of the jury doesn't make me look good. So I'm just going to smile and make it look like the two of us are having a good laugh together. Well done, Judge. Would that be okay, Judge? I'm just smiling for effect. Please don't think I consider you a funny guy. (laughs) Yeah, Jimmy. Can I continue, Judge?
0: It's a similar beat to one Lindsay had in season one, with a who? co-counsel. Who? <laughs> yeah, is. Mr. a Lady murder a bunch of people.
10: It is selective prosecution. That's what this is. You're right. But while the man who kissed Hallie continues to go free, why don't we sit in here and go over your testimony?
11: Excuse me. Hi. We have a problem. We can't expand.
1: Now, Keith, I'm gonna call it right here, right now. Okay. huh Should we have learned a lesson from Bobby and Lindsay and how that mm-hmm. relate that interwork relationship went? I can already tell you that these two very attractive lawyers that now are going to be co-working together, mm-hmm. it feels like perhaps David E. Kelly might be want to do a little put a little static charge between them. But I would say already I'm feeling I'm feeling a lot of, like, I'm liking the, like, limberness of this episode. We're back to this, the practice where I think it excels when we're, we're cutting back and forth. Courtroom, lawyers lawyering, lots of moving parts. It's working for mm-hmm. me. Maybe let's take the, the Keith Varney page. if Maybe we don't need these two to be kissy-kissy. Although, I can tell you, by the way, even where I froze this scene, it's going to get kissy-kissy.
0: Well, it's definitely get, gonna get flirty flirty
1: from Alan. Yeah, well, So, hopefully not mm-hmm. touchy-feely. Hmm.
11: new clothes for clients, are not in the budget.
10: This is a top criminal firm in Boston. Surely we can afford $200.
11: Uh, the top firm that you speak of is Donald Young, Dole, and Frat. Donald is gone, Dole is gone, Washington is gone. And we don't take clients shopping.
10: Do we take each other shopping?
12: I wasn't insane when I fired that gun. I won't say I was. I shot that man because he was killing our children, because he wouldn't stop killing our children.
5: Okay, look at me, Aisha, right in the eyes. The judge has taken away defense of others. You explained that. Well, evidently, not well enough. If we don't claim insanity, we have no theory
12: by which to prevail. Then I go to prison. I'd rather do that than to pretend I'm crazy. You look me in the eye. I am not nuts. Drugs are killing our babies. Somebody has to protect our babies. If the police refuse You cannot if, say that. Yes, I can. And you can't stop the me. The judge will stop I'm you. I'm the client. I get to decide what our legal strategy is, counsel. It won't be insanity. I do not
7: want bail. Why not? Because if you get let Robin. out, there will be a public outcry, Brad, and that outcry could prejudice us at trial.
3: I don't think you follow. If I'm allowed to address the public, the outcry will be squashed. That's the point.
7: I think you're overestimating your charm a little.
1: You know who you're talking to? Daddy! Oh, hey, baby! Oh, God! You get bigger every day, young lady!
3: Hey, Christine. Hello?
1: Oh, it's White. Well, it's she's she's warm. White.
7: She's very warm. I was wondering if I could talk to you for a few minutes.
12: Your client murdered my sister, Miss Frutt. I won't it's be the, cooperating much it's with his sister. defense.
1: The aunt.
0: Yeah. Which, I can see why she's maybe a it little cold. It was so
11: gross. I, like, came around the turn in the corridor, and he was there.
0: This is the C- defendant. Kelly Overton. Yes. And the next Ring thing, True in True he
11: was like... Forcing Wait, his scuzzy tongue into my mouth. And this occurred when? At
7: my place of work, for God's sake. Oh, he
1: like full on Everybody open mouth saw it. Holly buried her. And the way he yeah, smelled. so uh, the his word you're looking for is me. assault. It took three showers to get but it off. But it's 2003, you, so Debbie. it's like, oh, it's quirky. It's hashtag Spader, baby.
10: Forgive me, I just want to say for the record, you are a very fetching young lady. Two <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen that hit on your didn't
1: hold up. Well,
10: you. I can imagine. At the office Christmas party, you ever been suddenly kissed while standing underneath the mistletoe
1: charming, by co-workers, but it's
12: not. not total strangers?
10: You never filed criminal charges
1: in those. Keith, I think we need a new bumper that goes.
12: Not sure, but I think that was
1: gross. <laughs> but it's yes, sure, and it definitely was gross. You mean it's Alan Shore?
10: Instances. Don't call me Shirley. No. That was an honest answer, Debbie. I appreciate that. Let me ask you this: If Brad Pitt suddenly approached you, kissed you at the office, would you call the police? Honestly.
7: He's not Brad Pitt.
10: Yes, I see. I mean, so probably, it's not so much being probably kissed, yes. but rather by whom?
0: By what? Uh, by. Thank you, Debbie. This that is like rejecting the honest. entire premise of consent. Like it, it like doesn't way, exist in I this world.
1: Well, I mean that's his gig, right?
10: Never mind. That's probably not appropriate.
1: The glasses though down, make him look like he's out of—he's in like a low-budget Brooks Brothers commercial. Okay, accept responsibility.
10: He does. Show remorse. USA. Convey States. that you never meant to harm or scare. Okay. Yeah. The defense calls Randy Markham. Why? <laughs> why? If he did it, I don't have no, to hear this why. Too. It takes my time. I value my time. (laughs) It's wasted my
2: hemorrhoids.
10: (laughs)
0: This, uh, excuse me, uh, um, this judge is Harv Presnell from Lois and Clark. Mm -hmm. He played Colonel Q on the Voyager episode, Q and the Gray. He's also in the Pretender, Mr. Deeds, Argo, and Saving Private Ryan.
10: The bubble up. He's a defendant. In Massachusetts, I believe the Constitution trumps the bubbled hemorrhoid. I could be wrong.
6: You know what? You're absolutely right. If your client chooses to testify,
10: that is his constitutional right, it would certainly be very inappropriate for me to deter the exercising of that precious entitlement. Entitlement. Would your client like to testify, Mr. Shore? Why
3: don't you have a seat? Oh,
1: Stump oh. We
7: wanted to talk to you about your dad's trial.
1: Now, Keith, you know, my guess, back to. Uh-huh. Uh here I'm going to put my own little fiction in here. My guess is the reason Lucy had to leave is because it would be very inappropriate to have a. Uh, a crisis counselor in the office with all of this rampant non-consensual flirty flirt and uh, dare I say sexual abuse taking place.
0: Well, I mean, harassment at the very least. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, Alan Shore, as described thus far, is a walking sexual harassment lawsuit. He's, he's, like, he's like the Do Not Do poster of <laughs> sexual harassment.
1: So folks, take this lesson. There is a fine, fine line between charm and harm.
7: Which starts There's next a week. Fine, he told fine me, line. you want me to
11: come? Yes. We also were thinking of calling you as a witness. Did your dad tell you that?
12: Yes.
5: You want this me to say my mom seemed really Alyssa sad?
0: Alyssa Gaynor.
5: So, people I'm happy that just get
0: cut.
7: yeah. We just for want sure. you to tell the truth.
11: She seemed really sad. Do you think your mom killed herself? I know my dad didn't kill her, Oof. he loved her.
2: What kind of conversation is so this to have with a child? So,
11: I think she must have committed suicide.
7: What, Emma? Did your dad ask you to?
1: Wouldn't you have somebody from like. Child protective surgeons is there, or a counselor? You would just, you just two lawyers asking this kid if her mom killed themselves, killed herself? it's a little, little, you know that. Say not, that,
0: not with kid gloves. I tell you yeah. that much. Alan Shore drives a Mercedes. That's lit from the interior for some reason, like all TV cars are. and somebody's in his pool Yeah. mr markham
4: uh so sorry to come here uh my daughter actually so his homeless a client baby. hi and his never daughter swam in a pool are swimming before. in ellen shore's pool i thought while we were waiting you have a daughter yeah
0: for a homeless guy he is she live with you on the street chest
4: i no, actually i'm not homeless Living in a tenement lets in a grow project. You
10: let the You get him an agent.
4: I try to give her as normal a life as I can. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? I got rolled.
10: I'm sorry for my
4: shoes. I got rolled for my shoes. I got nothing for testimony tomorrow. Had your address, and I just figured you got me the suit. Without the shoes, you know the whole point.
1: I think Alan Shore's getting. Scared. I'll bring you
10: another pair of shoes tomorrow.
1: Can
4: I ask you a question? You don't got to answer if you don't want to. No, go ahead. A girl in court today said I smell. I smell.
10: At the moment, only like chlorine. In
4: my pool. Please, me ask for me.
10: You do have a distinctive body odor. I do bathe. Maybe not as much.
4: I do bathe.
6: Look at this, Daddy.
4: I'm really sorry. She's
10: always dreamed of swimming in a pool. I should have done this. No, it's okay. Swim as long as you like, and I'll see you tomorrow, in court. Thank you very much.
12: Maybe should be so well, flippant, Alan.
0: At least his lack of boundaries works in
12: both directions. The observation posts are a joke. Those drug deals are captured on tape just as clearly as what so I we're did. we're going for jurors. But the police case, don't Viola. respond.
2: Mm-hmm.
12: I doubt they even look at those tapes. Is Very crack
8: a big problem in your
12: neighborhood, Aisha? Is it a big problem? My two-year-old daughter was killed in a drive-by three years ago. I've seen my friend's children become dealers, addicts. My street has become crack lane, Mr. Baluti. It's almost impossible for a child to grow up in our neighborhood without it being shoved in his face. There are drive-by shootings, random killings, intentional killings, and at the root of it all are drugs, cocaine, crack, all being dealt openly and notoriously by Marcus Thayer and others, and the police do nothing. Council. So what happened that day? What happened is I decided to do something to save the kids on our street. I decided to protect the lives that Marcus Thea was so intent on destroying.
3: Miss Crenshaw, as I have advised your counsel, I will advise you. Defense of others is not a justifiable theory. It's
12: justifiable to the parents who live in our neighborhood. Ms. Crenshaw, I will instruct
3: this jury not to accept self-defense or defense of others. Why don't
12: you instruct the mayor to instruct the police to clean up our streets? You have the right to present your testimony. But as you move forward. These dealers are arrested over and over and never do time. It has to stop. I will tell this jury in no uncertain terms that as a matter of law, they cannot even consider
3: defense of others as an exculpatory theory. Do you understand that? Okay, so
1: good good question here. Yeah. Should you be in a situation like this where you've been instructed that he can't present self defense or defense of others as a, a defense? Right. You as you obviously have the right to present your testimony as Ms. Davis is doing here, and mm-hmm. the judge can then tell the tell the jury to disregard this testimony. Then as we've right. seen in previous episodes the jury can disregard those instructions and still rule and acquit her. However, That's right. at that point can't the judge say that their finding is incongruent with the instructions and and convict her anyway? Can a judge do that? We've seen it in in different types of cases but we've never seen him acquits or we've never we've never seen him convict somebody. Convict someone against the jury? I don't
0: think so. I could be wrong. Uh, smarter listeners, Jorge's of the world, or whomever, like by all means, correct me on this. But I think the
1: uh but the doesn't judge that, cannot cannot that prove. Doesn't that mean? Wouldn't that mean there's no check against jurisprudence? Like I don't there's think no there way is... for the judge to enforce his 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 judge his what's the word? I'm no,
0: for? I, I I believe, um, and I I think for a couple of reasons. I think a judge can convict in a uh, civil case. Mm -hmm. In a criminal case, I don't think so unless it's a bench trial. A judge can throw out the case. So that the judge can acquit in a criminal trial but not convict um, is my understanding. And in terms of the the check on jurisprudence, I I think because the jury does not have to give their rationale – for why someone is guilty or not guilty, right? It can be any reason that they want. They, mm-hmm. You know, the the lawyers can only argue certain things. Um, and the judge can say, this is not a good reason to acquit somebody. But I don't think there's anything that can stop a jury from just saying he's not guilty, and I'm not even going to say why. They don't have to say why.
1: Uh, dear listeners, I've I've done some cursory Googling that have not returned Ooh. any good answers for me, so... If you uh, can find something that answers this question for us, let us know. Maybe the episode will.
12: I think so. As a matter of law, the truth of what happened that day can't be considered in this room.
6: I will see counsel in chambers.
12: I think You know, Keith, you're right,
1: because, because if that were the case, if they could, there would be little to protect against judges uh, editorializing or kind of just disregarding juries and going with themselves, right? Doesn't that doesn't there would be a constitutional argument that you did not get a a, ju- a, a jury of jury, jury peers. trial? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're you're entitled to a jury of your peers. A judge is not your peer.
3: I gave you a specific order.
5: We pass that on to our client, but as your honor well knows, every criminal defendant has the right to take the stand and tell his or her story. Our client chose to exercise that right. If you argue defense of others in your closing, I will have both of your bar
3: cards. Do you understand me?
6: Do you
5: understand me, Counsel? We understand.
7: I just think we need an alternative version to suicide. The idea that she killed herself with cyanide Look, I assembled a mock jury. I presented the defense side only, none of the prosecution's evidence, and still none of them would swallow suicide. Wait, what, what do you mean a, a mock jury? I wanted to test our defense
3: because I am
7: very nervous about it. And as I said, I only gave them our version of no, you didn't still... give
3: them our version, Eleanor. I am the defense version. Your little mock jury didn't hear from me. Brad, my wife, was a very bad woman. She had an affair. She wanted to leave me, Ellen, or destroy our family. I'm sure she was racked with guilt over that, don't you? Ask Emma. Molly seemed very sad. She committed suicide.
1: He can't be threatening if he tries. That's Chris O'Donnell's you kissed unfortunate her,
4: as she described. Well, I didn't totally surprise you. Yeah. I gave her a chance to see me come.
1: You know, halfway through, I'd say that there are some interesting compassion beats with this case here, the homeless case. Mm-hmm. There are some incredible acting and interesting questions legally being asked in the Viola Davis case. And that feels strong enough for an episode right there. The, the Chris O'Donnell case, thus far, halfway through the episode, feels like it's there to just... A, give Eleanor something to do, and B, it feels like it's there as a placeholder for a twisty twist at the end, right? Like, we're not getting a lot of information, we're not getting a lot of counter-arguments as to, like, what really could have happened. They're telling us, basically, oh, look, he has something to do with it. It looks like just a a T for the the T-ball smacking of a twisty twist. Well, that or uh, we're setting up for a longer arc. Okay.
4: I mean, I wanted her to see me first. Why is that? Because I wanted her to know who was kissing her. Can you tell us why? Well, the day before, I'm sitting on Columbus. I have my little girl with me. She's six years old. What were you doing on Columbus Street? Begging, soliciting for money. I work here and there where I can, but when I don't have enough money for food, I'm not above asking people for help. That's what I was doing this day. And she walks by. She being? girl i went on to kiss she walks by i asked for help and she made a remark about me being disgusting about me smelling you said that right in front of my daughter and then you mumbled some other things as you walked away things that i won't repeat
0: he's really good
4: but my daughter heard it
0: yeah he is he's an amazing actor
4: then what happened i watched her walk into a building
0: you're so good on scandal. and I turned to my
4: baby and she was crying why was she crying because of what she heard okay, I haven't been able to give my daughter much but I did give her the right to respect her dad
1: I mean I get it man I feel for and you maybe
4: even on the odd day admire
1: I don't think you can like just make out with people you took that from her Mr. Markham
10: Why kiss this woman?
4: Because I wanted to embarrass her the way that she embarrassed me. I walked my smelly ass into her office. I walked my disgusting self right up to her and I kissed her to humiliate her. Make you feel the way I felt. Way I still feel. Sitting in a courtroom, listening to you Tell this judge and everybody that it took you three showers to get the smell off of you?
12: Murder two?
5: It allows for the possibility of parole. Yeah. We think you should take it.
12: What will my sentence be?
5: Life. But again, with murder one? Forget it. Aisha, I said forget it. I heard what you said. But listen to me, please. We have nothing. Our only hope, if you can even call it a hope, is for a hung verdict. Our only chance to get that is to convince a juror to say the hell with the law. Good.
12: Get one to say that.
5: If they come back guilty, which
8: truthfully, how could they not, you get life, no parole. There's no point
12: in being a martyr. I know you care. You care because we're all on the same side. Problem is with too many voices, you get noise. So let's speak with one voice. And since I'm the client, since I'm the one who's gonna be and in that prison cell, let's let the voice be mine. Jimmy, I want you to look those jurors in the eye and tell them that the law is wrong. Marcus, Thea had it coming. The law is wrong. That's only four syllables, Viola. I need five.
10: Debbie, hello. You're You're dishonest to know. (laughs) Dressing Uh him up like that in
7: a suit? That is not what it costed me and you know it.
10: Debbie, this case was assigned to me. Certainly you know that. Do you think I like defending these kinds of people? You know, this isn't technically relevant to the case, but I touched myself with you in mind last night. Your hair.
0: The look on Mike's face, he's like, did I just hear what I thought I just heard?
1: I'm rarely speechless, ladies and gentlemen, as you can attest (laughs) by these 700 hours of podcasting you've listened to. I don't know what the hell to say right now. I just hope that the end of this thought from Alan uh, clears something up. Keith, is there any hope of that?
10: I, I, I... <sighs> <sighs> it was very different, but anyway. Yeah, just between you and me, It turns out Mr. Markham has a homeowner's insurance policy, cheap but not totally worthless. If you were to say sue him civilly, you might get, say, ten thousand dollars. I would. The policy covers defamation of character. For you to allege his kissing you defamed you, perhaps people thought
1: you were a couple.
10: They claim to be colorable Cover with the that. assistance of a good attorney, which I am.
1: It, homeowners insurance is like. Of course, I would need you to weird, drop the criminal actually.
10: complaint. We'd wanna.
1: I mean, throw I have it. Can I defame Mike. We? Now.
10: I bet you'd you, use ten thousand dollars. You've been defaming
1: me since you put on that turquoise Think outfit of the shopping, That's not I'm sure. Isn't that like an illegal bribe?
10: Which means. This would have to be our little secret.
1: I'm very confused as to
5: I saw in the wording, what his motivations are. For right, anything shut you down, but if you're not disciplined with every word, Well, okay. in that case, all right. we need is one, George. one.
0: It's illegal what he's doing, but he's yeah. like, look, I'm gonna save my client from prison, and get you some, uh, some money in exchange for what happened.
2: So yeah, there, but he's there also been
1: but that juxtapose that with like his moment of realization when he's at the pool with the homeless man and his homeless daughter, but now he's gonna like take every potential penny that guy, well, I guess it would be insurance well, it's, paying it's, it it's out. It's insurance, yeah. so. Ah, oh, so let's just defraud insurance.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's
8: the idea, yeah.
5: Jury buys us a hung jury. With that, we get a new trial and that's all we can hope for at this point.
8: And what if he does shut me down?
5: Well, if you word it right. He can't without handing us a new trial. And if he does that, great. Hello. What's this embezzling thing? Thank you for asking.
10: It was sort of a half Robin Hood kind of thing I took from the rich.
5: And who'd you give to?
10: I kept it, thus the half Robin Hood. I've disappointed you.
5: What's this about bringing a hooker to a client's wedding?
10: The invitation said significant other, I assure you, she was extremely significant.
0: Like, yeah,
1: let's hire that guy. It. I don't mean to jump ahead, but from what I remember from Boston Legal, Keith, isn't that mm-hmm. like almost the same as the Denny Crane character? Like, are they just gonna have two wisecracking one-liner characters play off each other um you you might have figured out this the the, uh, the secret
0: to boston legal
7: <laughs> doesn't even matter whether the judge allows cameras in the courtroom or not you're already in that room
1: guys we need we need to take the bobby donnell character and make him just care much more flippant much more like uh uncomfortable and racy and yeah that's about it
0: yeah just you know just have him say all of the subtext
1: yeah
7: more importantly and alarmingly you're in the but make him
1: less smoke show than dylan and that'll make it okay
0: yeah he's more you know devil may care jury room
1: Every article
7: being written about Brad Stanfield presupposes his guilt. He's the horrible husband who murdered his pregnant wife. Amazing that you can all know that without being privy to the facts. The prosecution has guarded this case tightly. We don't even know the evidence, and yet with the media, the world, and possibly the potential jury pool, he already stands guilty. Get this, Molly Stanfield took her own life, and when the facts finally and appropriately come out in trial, you will all know what I know now. Good, Eleanor. My client is innocent.
1: Because I'd like to no know the facts. Too. I don't know why you set up a podium in your own tiny office. Keith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
10: hmm. Chanel. It's not disruptive. We can make to this very simple. Move all of the Randy desks Randy will agree not to contest the claim. The what she has to do is... The-
1: Lucy, could you grab the podium? Lucy? Yeah, yeah.
0: Lucy! Uh, unplug everything. Move everything. Yeah.
1: Lucy! Guys, where the hell's Lucy? Yeah,
0: Policy yeah. Over. Hey, Rebecca, we'll get, the, get contract, the other side so of this desk. Back. No? Back. No. no. Hold Wait. on. Hold. Lindsay? Bobby, 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 Bobby? Lindsay, hello? Uh,
1: What about old guy in the office next door?
10: (laughs) And help you, Deborah. You agree to drop the criminal complaint, and we all agree to keep this agreement completely private.
11: And what if the insurance won't pay?
10: They will. It's a lot less than the cost of litigation. I also know the claims adjuster. He's a friend, a giver. Corrupt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the only thing left then would be the Geek, apology. Why
1: does it work for me?
10: We would like it to be both oral and written.
0: Well, if he weren't sexually
2: Wait, you harassing
1: I know everyone it... in the world, it'd be very charming. Yeah, there's a lot of charm plus masturbation. It's a lot of craziness happening. Apologize. Yeah.
10: In person now and in writing so his daughter can read it when she's older.
11: Why would I
7: ever apologize to him?
10: Because you offended his dignity, Debbie. You were disrespectful to an honorable man and his daughter.
1: You mean like you did to me in the hallway literally six hours ago? Like 10 seconds ago?
4: Yeah.
10: You demeaned his character. What you did was wrong. Those are the conditions, non negotiable.
8: I believe quite strongly in law and order. We are a nation of laws. Oh, you know what? And it would be wrong for for me, me. yeah.
0: It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed.
1: Everybody! It's CLOSING TIME!
0: Otherwise you'll instead. Closing time!
1: Once upon a time, it was an audio-only podcast, and we are back, baby, for the defense, Ooh. Mr. Jimmy burr I
8: believe quite strongly in law and order. We are a nation dun, 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 dun. of laws... And it would be wrong for me or any lawyer to say, it's okay for one person to take the law into her own hands. So I won't argue that. Even if children were dying in front of her, as was the case with my client. Even if she had to witness teenage drug addiction, gunfire, sometimes the killing of innocent people, such as her own two-year-old daughter. As I said, it would be wrong for me as an officer of the court to argue that she be allowed to take the law into her own hands. So I won't argue that. I won't argue self-defense or defense of others. But you all heard what was in her mind. It is within the power of this jury to vote your conscience. And I would implore you to dig into your conscience today. Mr. Berluti, Martin Luther King Jr. said when confronted with an unjust law, the moral and ethical thing to do is to break that law. He said that. It would be wrong for me to say it. Counsel, my client had no right to take the law into her own hands. Of course not. It is totally irrelevant that the police weren't protecting her neighborhood. Also irrelevant that the conviction rate for drug arrests in Boston is below 10%. Below 10%. Put that out of your minds. Drug use is going up, while drug arrests are going down. It's out of control. But it has no relevance here. What are we as parents supposed to do? That's a rhetorical question, of course. It's not an issue for today. Mr. Berluti. As a matter of law, Aisha Crenshaw should have waited for the police to respond, even though they weren't responding. She should have let the children become drug addicts or drug dealers. She should have let them continue to die. She should have done nothing and let all this happen, because after all, we are a nation of laws. Fuck yeah, Jimmy. That was like
0: a Eugene clothes. The
6: law Mr. Too. Pelluti suggests you defy
1: is oh, yes. the one
6: against murder.
1: murder. Murder. And what
6: he's asking you to embrace murder. is terrorism. Yes. The defendant decided someone was not worthy of life and so she acted to execute him. And a lawyer now stands before you, mocking our allegiance to law and order. There are many countries in the they're... world who tolerate street justice. You don't like somebody, you just shoot them. There are places where this happens. But this is America. We don't it's permit America. vigilantism. That is the Eugene. We don't tolerate close. murder when the killer sees fit, no matter what his or her conscience. This guy's giving me jaw attention and just looking at him. we certainly don't embrace... Terrorism. Terrorism My heart Terrorism. goes out Terrorism. to Miss Crenshaw for the <laughs> loss of her child Could the police do a better job Perhaps if they had the resources, I'm sure they would Terrorism. But what's the answer for citizens to pull out guns and shoot the bad guys? <laughs> Is that <laughs> the country we want to live in? Is it? I do right, believe it's time to, it's time to jury should us. reflect the conscience of America.
1: It doesn't me, Keith that we are fucking (laughs) seven-year-olds. Oh. There's the nice security camera zoom-in shooting. Wow, that guy. That is
6: not in my conscience. And I pray to God for all our children. It's not in yours.
0: I mean, like, we make fun, but he's great.
1: Yeah, excellent. Sure. Ooh, nice pan job there. Nice audio. Flex. He's smoking in the office. Hi. Hi. It's just too
10: phallic. Do you mind? You know, I've heard of this faux flirtatiousness being used to cover the real thing. Are you attracted to me?
11: Are you looking for a slap? Tara.
10: Rather rough trade for a secretary.
11: I'm a third-year law student and a paralegal, not a secretary. This agreement that you had me type up? Tantamount to insurance fraud.
10: Is that wrong?
11: Little advice. You might mock the law and get away with it. But don't make sport of me. Are we clear? Al? Al?
10: So you are attracted to me.
11: Mr.
4: Markham, what I don't want to happening? take up much of your time.
0: Why is he the, like... I'm not a good talker, but... The horniest person in all of in and time. I never
4: had anybody recognize me as
0: a person of dignity. Wait, wait. I... I think I, I have a... Where is it? I gotta find it. Conspiracy okay.
2: theory. Conspiracy theory.
0: I'm trying to figure out how to say this delicately, Uh, but Alan has the desperate, the desperation of a fellow uh, who (sighs) never had that moment of realization uh, somewhere, you know, sixth, seventh grade where like, oh, wait, I can do this myself. I feel like perhaps he never had that moment of realization, mm. so he's sort of like uh, like the dog running around humping the couch.
1: Hmm, interesting, Keith.
0: That's, that's, that's my theory, that, that uh, Alan Shore does not know how to relieve his tension. Mm.
4: I'm a good talker, but in my life, I never had anybody recognize me as a person of dignity.
1: Well, I'm not sure that Alan's doing Nobody that for you today, but let's thank him anyway. Before,
4: and in keeping with the character you accused me of having,
0: thank you.
1: <laughs> he should have kissed
0: him, Mr. Short. He 100 percent should have kissed him.
1: Because Alan, though they gave him a couple of the scoring indicated that maybe Alan was having some compassion. Truth be told, I think he was fucking You think you're
8: clever, Counsel.
1: Mocking him you think that
3: friend,
8: closing this. was clever. Hey, Judge, if you think I crossed a line, call a mistrial. fact, you might have a duty. Dude, You'd like that, wouldn't you? Get a new trial. Is that what's going on? You want a mistrial? I'm just interested in us all doing the right thing. Now, you listen to me. You, hey, you told me what I couldn't argue I stood up there and expressly didn't argue it. You got any problem with me now, then it must be personal.
3: I take my courtroom very personal.
8: And if if I cross the line, call a mistrial. All right. Yeah, Jimmy. Jury's back. Jimmy's coming out swinging.
1: Keith, that was so, the jury's back so fast. What could it mean? Oh, no. Already? Courtroom.
6: Mr. Foreman, am I to understand you have reached a unanimous verdict in 20 minutes? Yes, Your Honor. Okay. What's us go
1: up that scale. Build on the
4: matter of the Commonwealth versus Aisha Crenshaw, on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Aisha oh, Crenshaw, going. not guilty.
1: Fuck yeah! Yay! Yeah.
12: Not guilty. Listen straight, not guilty.
7: Obviously, there's no accounting for it. This jury simply made a decision to let a guilty person go free. Clearly, Mr. Berluti's endorsement of civil disobedience registered. Not my version of Justice Paul. I'm being informed Miss Crenshaw is about to make a statement.
12: But, you know... Am I surprised? Even on the
0: TV, on the TV, yes. it's high definition. But who will give us heartened. the
12: widescreen? The jury sent a message, not just to me or the police, but to all of us. We need to take back our streets. Oh, no. The Second Amendment gives us the right to bear arms to defend our homes, our streets. It's time that the good people start exercising that right to defend our children. Jimmy's like, oh, we. We, the people, need to rise up. We need to put these dealers down before they take any more of our children. And it's not just in Boston. All over you hear about tax cuts. He went
1: from Jimmy the Grunt to Jimmy the Hunt?
12: Well, it's service cuts. And it's the poor neighborhood suffering these service cuts across this country. We need to rise up and do a job. Mr.
2: Young, Precious, Precious. <laughs> Mr. <Precious. laughs>
9: Mr. <Precious. laughs>
0: Alan's back at his pool with a beer. that is uh the beginning of season eight of the practice we have so much to discuss uh so uh yeah i guess i guess now we just start
1: right Well, i'm uh, gonna still say it keith because it's become a trademark and we are back baby the
0: same baby (laughs) uh yeah well mike before we digest, let's regurgitate what just happened. Mm, two,
1: three, four. Mike, Mike has, 30 has thirty seconds, seconds to, remember. to remember what you just, what just happened. You never send me the, the bumper again. Segment. Segment. segment, segment. Y'all, everything's the same, but it's also completely different. We have three cases. One's just a setup for next week. That's Chris O'Donnell. Not important. Eleanor's got him. Uh, Alan Shore's here. He's harassing everybody, but he's also uh, doing an agreement for a homeless guy about dignity. Uh, And then we've got a great case with Viola Davis where Jimmy basically is put in a corner to defend her. And though he gets her off, he sort of maybe uh, sets a precedent for people to go out and shoot other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Uh, Can you do it again? But uh, in fewer syllables.
1: Bader has arrived. Viola, cleaning the streets. Jury of your peers. Okay, there it is. <laughs> I mean, not uh, the best, not not the greatest. No, no,
0: no. I, I I was I was playing with the video settings, so I I uh. really didn't give it the full. Hi, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like, I didn't let it, I didn't let it bathe over me like mm-hmm. I should mm-hmm. for the Oopsie. But you know what? I will do that for.
1: It's a little segment. We call, ladies and gentlemen, the out of practice podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present, oopsie the oopsies celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, I'll tell you, Jackie.
0: They're a fake awards show that we are in season eight of. Can you believe it? And as always, we begin with...
1: Guys, listen. You ever hear that? You ever hear that old Ooh. saying? Can you defend this client with both hands tied behind your back? Because that's what Jimmy was asked to do this week. They said you can't argue self-defense. They said you can't argue self- defense of others he said he can't even mention it in his closing but guess what jimmy did the end around he found a way to use the to use the judges own instructions against him and then dared him mm. to mm. to declare a a mistrial which basically would have bought them more time so he was trying to to do everything in his power and what i what i found very cool about it for me at least, is that it represented a Jimmy uh, full circle moment where Jimmy enters and he's sort of a buffoon and he's convicted of, or he's uh, accused of uh, some money uh, uh, philandering. Or is guilty of, yeah. <laughs> yes, some money philandering, would you say? And he did this on the up and up. He was able to, he made a hell of a close. He, I just thought it was an awesome performance by Botulko but also but just like great writing for Jimmy. I love that it was Jimmy. He even impressed Eugene as Steve Harris did some great facial acting to show us. Just a great Now, yes, I get what this episode's trying to do about like oh did it potentially set up a precedent for people to go out and take the law in their own hands. Yeah, maybe, but that's not on Jimmy, I don't think. He was really hamstrung as to what he could say there. I think it was awesome. I think it's Jimmy all the way, Keith. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I mean no question. I mean it was it was Jimmy at uh just as a fully formed mature experienced defense lawyer you know and i i said it felt like a eugene close and it felt like like jimmy went in there with the confidence and the capabilities that we have always said we want eugene to uh you know to to defend us in a murder trial because of all of that and here we have jimmy like here we go ready to go um so, uh, did a great job. So congratulations, uh, Jimmy Burr-Ludy with your most valuable lawyer. Here's going to be an interesting one. Uh, you know, we don't have to dance except for each other. Already, Already famous. famous. Been on TV, getting getting play, a paycheck. Entry on your IMDb. Way, Way to, to go, go. best, best
5: Actor.
1: You are the best guest actor on the episode. Y'all. Viola Davis has won every award ever made, uh, and she is absolutely excellent in this episode. Defiance, fire, the tears. I mean everything you could want in an a tour de force performance she gives which makes it all the more miraculous mm. that I think the the man playing the the homeless father whose name escapes me
0: Jeff Perry
1: Jeff Perry I think gave an even more stellar performance this episode he had and and he and his <laughs> What's interesting is that what he did, you know, was absolutely harassment, and he was absolutely guilty of what he was accused of. However, the performance he gave made me completely feel the empathy for him, and he felt, I don't want to say justified in what he did, but I sure understood its motivation, and I believed him when he explained why, and he gave a really specific performance. His on the stand, we get the empathy from the pool scene, and from the the, the closing scene with Spader about dignity. But in the but the, in the in the court scene, he also gave us this very specifically physicalized anger beat that mm. that it didn't. That was just very physically specific and was not supported anywhere else in the script. It was just like a bold choice he made that served to really like create a character that wasn't necessarily on the page. It was just an excellent. It was just such a great performance. He was able to find all these nuances, nooks and crannies that, to be honest, Keith, were unnecessary. Like he didn't have to give this great a performance for this arc for this character, but he did because you know great going to be great and uh i just thought it was it was just really great and i think it's to be honest in an episode in a really st- i believe strong first episode of season 8 with all the changes with new stars a lot of guest stars some new some returning i think it's what makes this episode is this performance and so uh i'm going to give it to mr perry
0: yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, with everything you said, I mean, Viola Davis, like, she doesn't need our award. Uh, I mean, she's great, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jeff Perry gives a, a, a very interesting performance here. Um, because he's, you know, and I, I don't know if the, out, you know, if the sort of physical outburst was on the page or not. You know, it, I'd love to have the script, but I don't. Um, but I, I do think that there is... It's an interesting layer that he added, right? Because he's we're ostensibly supposed to be like, oh, that poor guy, you know, that the, the, the poor homeless guy, and he's under this difficult situation. and and the the redemptive arc of Alan Shore is to be having compassion for this guy, to be feeling sympathy for this guy. Um, but it's very interesting that in the courtroom, his outburst there, Added a layer of like, is this guy dangerous? Mm-hmm. On top of everything that we were going through, and I, I, you know, I, I would love to see the stage directions there. How much of it was, um, in the script or perhaps directed, or was Jeff's choice um, that they decide to keep in? Um, but it, it was a much more layered version of that character than we frequently get. Um, so yeah, I gotta. Uh, I gotta give it to Jeff Perry, so congratulations, Jeff Perry, on your best guest actor. Coming up next. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face.
5: You're the best actor on the show.
1: Listen, we're gonna ha- we're gonna talk about Spader. In spare tires, <clears throat> uh, Spader does Spader better than anybody else. <laughs> maybe the only <laughs> person, maybe the only person who can do Spader better than Spader is Shatner, uh, but we don't get to see him yet. So, <laughs> or maybe like Christopher Walken. Yeah, uh, not to be reductive, I thought he is excellent. I mean, to be able to still bring charm to such a fucking smarmy ass character is real great. But I think this is a tour de force Bataluco performance. Uh, for all the reasons I enumerated why Jimmy was the best lawyer, I think Bataluco grounds that in a just just excellent performance. Uh, he's obviously motivated, but he's also defiant against the judge. Now, you know Jimmy has had some issues being uh, perhaps demurring in times where he needed to stand up for himself. And here he does so with a confidence that is such a great beat for the character and shows such growth of the character. And specifically, whereas Jimmy was kind of always, I mean, yes, he's had his featured episodes, but he was always sort of uh, a, a third fiddle. You know, he was like either comedic relief or he was a second chair, and here, since he's staying on the show, they're they're taking the opportunity to firmly ground him as one of the three main tenants at the office. And I think it's just an excellent performance. So good. Him and the judge have some excellent, excellent scenes. Great work by both of them. I just think it's a Bataluco special this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, the word you used was confidence. And I think that that is exactly right. I mean, we're... This is a a color from Jimmy that we haven't seen this fully realized before by Michael. And that, and that is the like, stand his ground, plant his feet, be confident, be, you know, find a way to be confrontational without shouting, without whatever. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's a very confident Jimmy that Michael is showing us and I, I like it and it, it shows growth. Right. Because you, you know, and, and like Michael's got, he's got a little more gray in his hair, which I'm familiar with myself. And it's like, yeah, okay. This is a confident guy. This is a guy who is like, he's a partner now. He's, um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think he did a really excellent job and it's, it's, it's interesting to win an oopsie without having like the big vulnerable moment. Cause usually you win it through vulnerability, but I think he wins it this time through confidence. So, uh, Congratulations, Michael Batalucco, taking an early lead in the season eight. Oopsies. And uh, you know, now I, I I guess I guess it is time to skip ahead. I think we need we might need a new stupid award, but in the meantime, we're gonna go straight to. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce.
1: Well, folks, uh, when I said it in the open show open, I based my optimism on the uh, Spader Alan Shore character, and I'm going to say right up off the bat, uh, the jury's a little out for me. I don't know if I—I think in the short term I really enjoyed it, uh, and but I think it's going to wear on me if that—if it's going to be that the whole season, it's a lot. It's really towing the line of like uh, taste a little bit, his sort of just like uh, behavior. However, that said, I, and Keith, I'm interested to get your take on this, I feel like, whereas season seven as a whole, specifically the back end, the writing felt very tentative and grasping at straws, and here it feels very confident and it, I feel like it's it's doing a lot of the things we love, right? First things first. That C case, the the Chris O'Donnell case, I actually was gonna criticize it, but it's it's interesting that they just gave us a taste, and they're like, boop. Eleanor even gives the line; she she sort of foreshadows. She says, "When all the when all the facts come out," and then they put it aside, and they say, "Okay, this is gonna be something we're gonna address moving forward." Okay, so really, now we have our two. Our A and our B case. In the A case with Jimmy and Viola Davis, uh, he says combining actors' names and character names. Confident case, confident writing. Interesting question. Jimmy's not just going up against uh, the 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 prosecutor; he's going up against the judge who is hamstringing him at, at every corner. Interesting tactics. The way he uses the judge's own instructions against him, and and goes for that jurisprudence, but not as sort of a plan B, but as a last resort, or maybe there it is a plan B, I guess, because they're really gunning for the mis of the mistrial. Regardless, interesting, and they don't do the they don't do the general uh, twisty twist. I don't think the thing at the end was a twisty twist with her getting on the mic and everything. What that does is it harkens back to things we liked about earlier seasons where. They show us that the defense attorney, there are consequences to the way you proceed. And there are consequences to the outcome. And that's I think that's more an out that is more a consequence than a twisty twist, right? That's my feeling. And so I think that A case as a it as a whole was very strong. They showed us from the very beginning here's the facts of the case. Here is the the dilemma or the 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 stakes that we have to overcome, and then we proceed. Right? Nothing is. There's no detective work. There's nothing uncovered. It's just the legal proceedings and how we're going to how we're going to approach it strategically. And here's the outcome. And then there are some consequences. Really strong. Really the practice. And I like that they gave it to Jimmy and Eugene. Really strong. And of course, you had uh, Viola Davis. Really strong case. B case. New character. They're using it to show us who Alan is, kind of. Uh, he's got very loose morals and ethics. That's me being very polite. <laughs> and uses those to uh, wiggle his way, I guess, into a job, a trial case for the firm, and and they show us glimpses of him, I guess, uh, growing. But it looks like that's gonna be the sort of how we're gonna take that character. Like will will he grow ethically? I thought that, as we said, the performance of Mr. Perry was was I keep wanting to say Steve Perry, and I is so I'm just it's saying not. Mr. Perry. No, I know. Jeff. Jeff is is so excellent, it really grounds that whole arc. Yes, there are nits to pick. I'm gonna let you pick them, Keith, so you can talk a little bit. But as a whole <sighs> taking in the time to- the account of the time period yes it is troublesome Keith and I have done our best to point out some of the just um ways in which it's it's problematic I don't want to be flippant about it yes there's there's some problematic elements about how just how flippantly the show deals with this harassing at it's not just that he's he does harassment, right? It's that they play it comedically, right? Right. That is that is troublesome. That did not hold up well. But my fear is that that's going to be all the character is. That's my fear. Uh, but they did show us that he could potentially grow, and if they're setting him up for growth, then I'm here for it. He's not he's not Bobby, uh, but he's got some flaws like Bobby. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I actually really liked it, Keith. I was really entertained. It got back to some of the basics that I really enjoy. The It's funny. As much as I was into Bobby Lindsay, I'm already totally not into to Alan and what's the paralegal's name? Uh, Tara. Yeah. I'm Keith Varney on that one. I'm hashtag out. Count me out. But I doubt that I have that choice. I think we are gonna have to be in um regardless strong open from the practice season eight mike thinks i'm giving it a strong 7.92 spare tires
0: yeah yeah i i I think um it's really interesting to watch again 20 years later um because it there's so much there that is um refreshing mm. and and like it's I, I really I'm like oh okay yeah all right I'm 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 in um I, I think that this one feels like David E. Kelly was excited to write this one for the first time in a while you know because that the the end of season seven it kind of felt like I don't know it's like oh I gotta write another episode. Whereas this, it feels like he's up for it. He's excited to to do this. Um. You know. Uh. I, I, obviously, the you know the Viola Davis case. Uh. I really liked. I liked. You know. And and the word you used was consequences as opposed to twist, which I I completely agree. That was. I think that's. I also wrote down that word. I think it's the. I think it's exactly right that there are consequences to this. Um. Which I think are. It's better writing to have consequences than a twist and so i really i really liked that um so great story great development for um for michael's character uh totally there um you know but look what are we here for we're here to talk about alan shore that's Mm -hmm. that's what this episode is that's what we're we're putting a new face on the show like alan shore is the face of the practice now and um It's interesting. I certainly don't mind an anti-hero. I don't mind a redemptive arc. And and Spader is ungodly charming. There's just no getting around it. You know, Spader is Spader. Um, I think that looking at this with 2022 eyes, you're right the characteristics that David E. Kelly chose to give him as a way to show his anti-heroism are are really problematic. That um, it's, it's his being a serial sexual harasser is really gross. And it was cheeky then. But was it really? Like, I, I think he wrote it thinking it would be cheeky and not gross, and uh, it was gross, not cheeky. And I think that that is just, uh, it's a problem.
1: I don't want to derail you, Keith, but uh, I'm interested in your take here. Do you think it was, how, how do you think the juxtaposition between his cheeky characteristics versus the first case they give him in which he is handling a harassment case? Do you, I, I, there was, there, do you think there is there do you think there's any I I there clearly it's on the nose and clearly they had to know that they were juxtaposing those two things. Do you do you think the writing I was strong enough if,
0: there? I don't know if they did. It was written as if there weren't really a connection there. Um I I I, I you know what it is? I I think they were written both as it's cheeky. Mm-hmm. That 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 both Alan Shores harassing everybody, and Jeff Pier- Jeff Perry's character getting a little revenge for that lady being mean, as also kind of cheeky.
1: Yeah, you don't. And, she doesn't really get any sort of in the writing. She it doesn't to me. She didn't really get any highlight as an actual victim.
0: No, of course not. No, she's 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 in the fact bitch she's victimized she twice. Him.
1: He he got. Yeah, she got kissed at her place of work, and then in that weird hallway scene, he's basically like, "I masturbated last night, thinking about you." He harassed her on the stand. Yeah, and she she was the villain.
0: She was the villain of that story, not the victim, and um, it it speaks to sort of an ugly environment about that sort of idea where consent doesn't really exist, you know. And and to be fair, referencing the Halle Berry incident is exactly right. You know, we didn't right, that's think I'm of what Adrian Brody did. We thought Adrian Brody's mm. was cheeky. We yeah. all laughed. We all clapped. We're like, "Oh yeah, you got to shut a shot of Halle Berry. You got to take it," you know. And and looking at, at that through twenty twenty two eyes, or through or or more ac- accurately, like more <laughs> correctly. Like that's no, uh no, that's not okay. And that wasn't okay then, and it's not okay now. And I think that what this show has a lot to learn about consent. <laughs> and um so that said, right, and I and, and and that rubbed me the wrong way the whole time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oof, that's gonna this is not gonna feel good as we're going through this. That parts parts of it aside this character who doesn't really give a shit about anything, this character who is perfectly willing to be corrupt for what he thinks are, you know, either good reasons or just selfish, selfish reasons. Like, I like that. I, you know, having somebody come in is like, yeah, I'm corrupt. All right. That's an interesting character. That's going to set up all sorts of interesting situations. Um, you know, the character who's, who's a little broken. Great, that's interesting. The character who has who needs to learn, great.
1: Um, yeah, and, and I can understand the motivation for Eleanor, you know, giving him a shot. But right as it stands now, and this is interest for the continuing season. There's no way in effing hell that Eugene would let this guy work for them as it stands right. currently.
0: I mean, I think we're set up. You know, we're, we're set to believe that he is like a famous, super successful mm-hmm. lawyer. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's. I'm there for it if they could have adjusted <laughs> a little bit. If he weren't sexual, right? If he weren't just being creep a creep all the time. um, Or if the show addressed it like he was being a creep, mm-hmm. right? See, the point of view of the show is written through Tara. Right. She's yeah, like absolutely Oh, you're bad, but I'm gonna flirt a little bit back, you know? And and that was that was the ugly the ugliest part of this show was Tara's being like, Oh, I'm kind of into it. Uh mm-hmm. which we've seen before and we've called him out before, like that show the that is the show letting him off the hook for that behavior. Saying, like, if you're charming enough, you can do anything.
1: Well, right. they have a character, and look, I don't know season eight, so you know, but they have a character in Jessica Capshaw. Uh, God, what's her name again? Jamie. Jamie, that has shown on the show before that she doesn't take that kind of shit. So maybe let's hope because God knows he'll flirt with her too. So let's yeah. uh, let's see how she responds too.
0: Yeah. So I'll put it this way: I don't mind a character who does all of these things. Whatsoever. And I don't mind a redemptive arc. I just don't like the show's flippancy
2: mm-hmm.
0: with that behavior. That's ugly. Um, however, all of that said, I think it's a strong episode and I'm excited to see what happens. It fe- it does feel a little revitalized. It does feel excited to be there. And, uh, I, you know, I'm really at this point, you know, like turning off what I know moving forward. I'm really excited to see what happens. hmm um and and it certainly is a compelling character and i let's let's see what happens so uh all of that said i'm going to give it a uh, an 8.1 okay so uh so there you i marks are all right well folks you have listened to another episode of the out of practice podcast if you would like to reach out to us you can find us at out of practice podcast at Gmail I mean uh, on Facebook and Instagram you can email us at out of practice podcast at gmail.com you can find us on the YouTubes at Kme entertainment we would like to thank our founding sponsors how Jorge Navoa cloud lover 69 69 Jennifer Masanova Kara Car Kuhn and Jorge Navoa off the top of my head
1: Woo! folks do you, are you a passionate about the practice? Are you passionate about Keith and Mike? You just think they are so insightful and so friendly and have so much to say. Well, we have other things in the works. Help us build our empire slowly but surely. You can leave us a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. For now, it's still going to be in the show notes, although in the future we'll give you other opportunities to be a part of the community financially uh, in the meantime, you can also just tell a friend, check out our shows, and watch our Star Trek. Oh! Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. You know what? Sometimes you got to ignore the judge and take matters into your own hands. You have the right to bear your own laser guns and shoot off some laser sounds. Keith? Late? Uh, better late sure. than Spader.
0: Sounds. Yeah!